Some of you guys are going, oh man, we've never been out this fast. This is, this is great. We're going to have an early brunch. Then we're going to feed a little more here first, then you worry about that. You wicked people, I know those thoughts you have. <laughs> what was he doing back up there? Okay. Uh, this, we broke this into two parts. And the first part is talking about what it means to be the body and the identity of the body. But, but, but the family of God, the church of God, has also been committed uh, to a mission. We are on mission together. And uh, I just want to talk as we, as we wrap this up today about two areas, two broad areas of mission. Now, um, can anybody tell me what our new mission statement is? Our mission is to lead... <laughs> lead people to know Jesus Christ and to follow him passionately. And there are kind of two components of that. Helping people step over the line of faith into the family of God, into the kingdom of God. And, uh, and then helping them grow in that faith. And um, so I want to take the second component of this first. Uh, following passionately Jesus Christ. Um, first off, we're called to build up one another. To build up the body of Christ, the family of God. We build up one another. Now, in Ephesians 4, verses 15 and 16, it says this. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head. What does God want for us? Maturity, that we would grow up, that we would mature, uh, and, and that we would mature um, into Christ, who is our head. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each does its part, uh, its part, its work. So, so when we become a follower of Jesus Christ, we come into the family of God, into his body, into his church. And we begin... As spiritual infants, well, you think when a baby is born, needs a lot of help, a care, attention, nurture. And, and so it is with believers. When, when people become brand new believers, they don't understand all the things about our faith and, and, and the character and the doctrine and how we live and what we do and all that. And so there's this whole lifelong process of growth. And we're to be growing over and over in the Bible, it talks about growing and maturing and becoming like Christ and all the rest of those things. And the goal is a kind of spiritual maturity that we would grow up in Christ and be spiritually mature. Um, but here's the deal. You can't do it by yourself. You can't do it alone. We've been talking about the messages called Together. We are together. We, we, we were birthed into a family not into a solo occupation. And so we have this part that everyone has a part in, in, in helping each other to grow in the body of Christ, to become all that God desires. And if you're not connected in the body, 
If you walk in here and walk out, I'm going to tell you, you you're not going to grow the way you could or should grow if you were intimately connected in the body of Christ. Um, if you're not, you're, you're just not going to grow the way God wants you to. In fact, I'm going to make a statement. You can't even do the Christian faith unless you're in, in meaningful contact with other believers. Um, there's a word that is repeated over and over again. It's just a, like a word that you could bypass so easily in the New Testament. And the word is one another, one another, one another. And, it, and, and the whole New Testament is salted with these phrases of one another. And I, I just want to show you what it means for us to be a part of a family. Here is, here's the kind of things that we will do for each other. So let's, let's start. First, we'll pray for one another. We need to pray for one another. Next, we'll bear each other's burdens. You, you, are you carrying some heavy loads of this stuff? Were you called to help? we help each other by bearing those burdens, helping lifting those burdens. Next, we're to build up the body of Christ, to strengthen it, to, you know, you, you think of bodybuilding. Now, we are to do that for each other. Build up each other. Next, we're to love each other. We just, we just read about that. And next, we're to consider others better than ourselves. There, there ought to be a spirit of humility in the family that we're not pushing ourselves in, ahead of other people. We're to encourage each other. Boy, you down, you need to pick me up. You, when, you, when you get with the people of God, it's, it's a kind of time for encouragement. Next, we're to greet one another with a holy kiss. How's that? That's culture-bound. You give a hug or a handshake or, or whatever. But we greet each other. We welcome the presence of each other. Next. Uh, we forgive each other. You know, because we all have problems. We all hurt people, sometimes unintentionally. Sometimes, sadly, intentionally. We try to hurt people. Uh, there are wrongs that are committed between people. And we're, we're to forgive each other. Next. Uh, we're to exhort each other. Uh, to, to, um, to challenge each other. Uh, we're to spur one another on uh, to love and good deeds. Somebody prodding you uh, to, to, to love more and to, to do good things for other people. Next, you're to confess your sins to one another. Say, whoa, whoa, whoa. Aren't I supposed to co- confess my sins to God? Absolutely. But the Bible also says that we confess our sins to one another. Sometimes we need to get something off our chest. And sometimes um, the, the, the support of the body of Christ is so helpful. Um, and mediating the forgiveness of God as well. Next, we honor one another. Uh, we, we show deference to one another. We lift each other up. Next. We serve one another in love. Are, are you serving people in, in the body of Christ? Because you can't even do that kind of thing. We bear with one another. You know what that means? You put up with one another. Sometimes, you know, in the family, there's somebody that really annoys you, aggravates you. You know what I'm talking about. And what do you do in the family? You put up with it. You bear with them. You hang in there with them. Um, next, you submit to one another. We talked about a spirit of deference. We talked about 
not ramming my, my agenda in my way, but, but mutual submission, that we submit to one another. Is that the last one we have up there? I think. Uh, oh, be hospitable to one another. Um, so, so this is what God calls us to do and to be like. Those of you who are writing and scrambling, don't worry, it's in your life group notes. If you don't go to life group, you can buy a copy of the notes for... <laughs> I'm just making a shameless plug for life groups. Because, you know, when we think about this, see, we need to be in... You can't do any of this stuff unless you're in relationship. And, and so what we are trying to do is... And, and we hope that, that, that Christians, as, as they read this stuff in Scripture and say, what's my responsibility to the family? Because we help each other grow into everything God wants us to be. Um... When we're, when we're practicing these things. And you can't do that without people. And, and those are things in which we give and we receive. And all of us need to be givers and all of us need to be receivers. Some of us don't like to receive because it's humbling to have to receive uh, from others. But, but this is what God calls us to do. And, and so where's a place that we try and make sure that happens? Because we come here and we sit and you look at the back of somebody else's head and you listen to the talking head up here and then you can go out and not engage with anybody and we're trying to put people in context where we can work through scripture and what it means and how we live it out in very practical ways and so here's my plug again for life groups if you're not in a life group please see Lorraine out at the life group kiosk and and um, my prayer is that you would get involved because we grow together when we help each other in all of these various areas. And you can't isolate yourself. And all of us need to be contributing to the family in meaningful ways. And I want to tell you, I am so grateful for our life group. And sometimes they'll, they'll give me a hard time. And sometimes they'll challenge me a little bit. And we, we love that. Um, but I know that they're praying for me. That they're they're supporting me, and if I'm having a bad week, and things aren't coming together, and the message, and all that kind of stuff, I'm, I just I go to my life group and I say, "Hey guys, I really need your prayer. You know, this week is crazy, and everything is not coming together for for my message." And 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 they support me, and they pray for me, and I trust they they sense my love and my care and support. We need each other, and we grow as we journey together in faith. And you can't do that alone. Um, so how do we fulfill our goal of making, um, of, of helping to, to create passionate followers of Jesus Christ? We try to fulfill the, the mission in this way. Well, there's a second part of the mission, and that is we share the gospel so that people become followers of Jesus. So that's that whole part of helping people step into the family of God, put their faith and their trust in Jesus Christ, and uh, become followers and helping them come to faith. Now, when you think about that, that's a really, it's an absolutely daunting thought and, and prospect uh, that, uh, of making disciples and helping people come to faith in Jesus Christ and the huge responsibility that is ours for that. And uh, in Matthew 28, 18 and 20, it says, 18 to 20, it says this. Jesus came to them and said, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, okay, I, I'm the boss. I have all authority, and I'm going to speak to my people. And here's what I say to my people. Go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded. That's your mission. Go and make disciples and, and, and have people become followers and then grow them in that faith. And that's a lifelong process. And you need to do that together. And when we think about the part of, of helping people come to faith, so often um, we find this really, really daunting. Um, and we've all kinds of reasons why we can't really do that. Uh, we're fearful, we lack knowledge and confidence and ability, we don't have contacts, we don't have meaningful relationships, we feel too imperfect in our life, like who am I as an example, I don't feel like I'm all I should be, so who am I to tell others about, and and we've got all these reasons why I can't come. But there's another problem and an issue that we have, and, and often that is, we see this part of our mission as kind of a solo act. So, I got to go out and I got to know enough and talk to somebody and engage them and, and God can use me somehow to, and will open their heart and bring them to faith in Jesus. And we just think like, that's not me. I, I can't do that. We see it as a solitary kind of gig. For fun, just, just for a minute, I want to ask you, um, what do you think would be the most important job that you could have today in the world. Just, just play with me for a minute here. What, what kind of thing would you think it would be the most important job a person could have? Share our faith. Well, yeah, that, for sure. I think pastors are the most important job in the whole world. Uh, some people, you know, think, well, doctors, because health and all of that, or we think of how reliant we are on technology. So maybe it's the tech people that, that can some kind of, uh, kind of help us in some way or, or do things. Or, or maybe it's educators. Or who's the most important thing? See, I have a feeling I think I know what the most important job in the world is. Can I have the next slide, please? That's it right there. Truck drivers. Now, hold on a second. Truck drivers, I think, are the most important job in the whole world. You think I've really flipped my lid right now? In Puerto Rico, see, now that's just on the news the, the, the last couple days. Puerto Rico has been absolutely devastated, and they have all of these containers, and they have trucks. I, I'm talking about tens of thousands of product, food, and water, and, and they can't get it out. You know why? They don't have truck drivers. Hey, I, I, I win this argument. Well, you think about it. You think about our world, how reliant we are on truck drivers. If there weren't truck drivers, there'd be no seed that the farmers would get, and it would never get in the ground. It wouldn't come off the field, and it wouldn't get to the places where it's uh, either processed or brought to market. So we're not eating anything without truck drivers, um, there's uh, industry is so reliant. Um, the transport of raw materials, the manufacturing, the getting to market of those things. Um, think about ambulances. Think about fire trucks. 
Think about all the different ways that uh, uh, we'd have no books, we'd have no fuel, we'd have no vehicles, we'd, we wouldn't be able to build hospitals, we wouldn't be able to transport medication or, or hospital equipment or anything of that. I think truck drivers are it. The most important thing you could ever do is to be a truck driver. And, and you, I mean, look at them all. Uh, and if you've driven the 401 sometimes, it's just a sea of trucks. Now, I'm being a bit facetious here. The point is, no one thing is ever the most important. It takes everything to make something work, right? And we've tended to think about the great task of reaching lost people for Jesus Christ as my responsibility, my sole responsibility, I don't feel well equipped to do it. But what if we thought about this in a different way? What, about, what if we thought about this like... It's all of our responsibility to do that. And, you know, some of you are going, yeah, no, I don't, I, I can't do that. I don't have anything really to offer. A lot of us would be really intimidated and we would fail to see that that can be a responsibility of ours. That if all of us would do our parts, we could all play a role in it. And I don't think that we think about that. Because we have a very, very narrow view of how people come to faith in Jesus Christ. And normally it has somebody who has a real gift with sharing the gospel and, and connecting with somebody. But I want, but what if every one of us thought about a part that we would play in the overall whole with our gifts, maybe as limited as they are? What if your thing was, you were just a really warm person and you gave a wonderful greeting, and you made people who walk in this place feel like they were really wanted here. I can tell you about a woman who, who came to church uh, with a, a restraining order on a past father of one of her children who, who's trying to, kill, uh, trying to kill her and the child, would not let children get out of her, uh, out of her, her sight, came into our church, and somehow the interaction that people had with a very wary person was, I think this is a safe place. And for the longest time, she wouldn't let her kids go to a, to a kids program until she gained confidence. Hey, what about the people who are receiving our children and caring for our children? Uh, what about the people who are providing practical assistance? The people who are setting up rooms and making sure that the building is clean and, and the grounds and taking care of gardens and, and all of that. What about the people who are praying? People, old, frail people who, who, who can hardly even walk. But when they touch heaven, all of hell trembles. What about those people? What about people who are working in the office providing material? What about the people who are paying the bills so that we can keep things open? What about the people who are driving? What about the people who are taking a senior uh, uh, to an appointment? What about the music people? What about the decorating people, the sound people? Uh, What about the people who are recording our service so that we can put it on air so that somebody can see it and somebody who maybe can't go to church or somebody who's who's just uh, kind of scouting around and, and looking uh, to see what. What about the people who are working with Master's Pantry and loving on people who are coming in for food, but they're finding more than food. They're finding something for their soul. What about, what about people who are doing food distribution and at Christmas time, taking hampers out and making these deliveries and saying, God bless you. We just want to express the love of God to you. What about the people who 
who are providing practical assistance? What about the people um, who, who are helping with parking or caring for the hurting and going to the hospital and, and, uh, and going to see the shut-ins? I remember going um, to see somebody in the hospital here, uh, in Markham Stouffville Hospital, and uh, as I was walking uh, down the, the corridor, uh, a woman saw me, and she saw me carrying a Bible. She said, are you a minister? I said, yes. She said, would you come and talk to my husband? And, and here is somebody just standing in the hall and, and somebody walking through. Would you talk to me? Would you talk to my husband? He's, he's really ill. Will, will you sh- it's an open invitation. Um, what, what about people like our counselors who are helping people, uh, a lot of which aren't, don't come from any kind of Christian background? Or people who do, helping their lives more, more fully radiate the love of Christ? How about people who are working in the kitchen or hospitality? You see, there's so many things to do, and I think we think of this, this very truncated, narrow sense of reaching lost people with the gospel as, well, that's the guy or the gal who's really good at talking about their faith, and they're a good apologist, and they know how to have arguments for it, and, and all the rest of that stuff. And God says, no, would you just get together as the body and everybody do something? Everybody help. Even, even, if it's, even if you think it means nothing, you make a contribution to the overall whole that helps us. It's a powerful thing when we're all engaged. I don't know whether you remember back to biology class when you take these frogs and dissect them. And, you know, you could take all the parts but the whole together is greater than the parts. The parts do nothing. But when you put all the little pieces together functioning and working, it really becomes a living organism. And I think that's what we need to think of ourselves, is this whole group of people with all this diverse gifts needing each other and all of us playing a part and a role in the whole thing. And uh, making our contribution and making something that counts And the problem is, with most churches, there are too few people involved, and there there are this many people that are doing this amount of work. And uh, you say, well, what do we do about that? Well, well, hopefully, uh, when we say, hey, we have a need, folks, for this kind of, that kind of thing, that that you say, I I can do that, I can help, I'll, I'll step up with that. Or perhaps you have something to offer and we don't even know about it. Sometimes we're running short of musicians or, or, or people to help. We're starting the video ministry. We need more people to help with that. Um, and, and you have some ability, technical ability, or, or you just love greeting people, whatever it is. But we all, put, uh, we all put our efforts together toward the same end. And we are so much more together than we are by ourselves. And uh, if you're kind of wondering how you're wired, how God has wired you to help, uh, we're going to be doing something probably in November uh, called Shape. And it'll talk about the different competencies and passions you have and, and, and maybe help you understand how God can use you. Um, and, and so we'll be coming with that. At the start of the Second World War, there was, um, there was a really tough situation 
that the Allies found themselves in in 1940, the, the war starting in 1939. There was a critical point for the war where the Germans had pushed in, they had walked over Holland like that. Holland just fell completely. They pushed back Belgium. And they'd pushed back uh, so many of the soldiers in France, in the, in the north of France, pushed them right to the sea. Uh, it, it, was, it was a dire, dire time. Um, there was uh, about 400,000 troops. They were backed up to the sea, and the Germans were, were bombing the tar out of them. And uh, this, this was going to be a total massacre. 400,000 people there. French, British, uh, some, some Polish, uh, some, uh, some uh, Dutch. Nowhere to go. And it, it was like shooting fish in a barrel. The, the planes came as these guys are, 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 are just looking to get out of there. And they couldn't get out. Uh, the, the, the boats had been bombed. Uh, the soldiers were systematically being eradicated. And, and here they were m- moving out. Uh, uh, can I have the picture, please? Um, the, uh, the, first, the, the first one, there's a map of Dunkirk. Uh, Dunkirk. You see, where, you see the Strait of Dover? Right across from there is Dunkirk. And that's where all these guys were. And they had to get out of there. In fact, there were talks about surrender at that point. In 1940, we're going to be wiped off the map. And uh, go ahead there. Soldiers, this is from World War II. Soldiers, they're just sitting ducks. Next. What little means they had of getting out there was not enough. And uh, some of the guys are uh, standing in, in the water up to their necks, hoping that someone will come and rescue them. It, it, it was a terrible, terrible sight. No place to go. And it could have been all over. But there was a call in England that, that anybody could, could help would help. And the people responded. The people responded. Hundreds of boats went from England and crossed over to France they took, they put their lives in harm's way. Uh, they took their life in their hands. They took food and supplies and fishing boats and, um, and luxury boats and lo- uh, yachts and little boats and, and, and even things like, uh, uh, like, like transportation boats. Everybody started to go and they came over. And do you know how many, you know how many they saved? They saved, here's the number, 338,226. Say, do you have to be so particular? Yeah, if the, 20, if the 226, if the, the 26 was your son, if that was your husband, those lives were spared that were, I mean, they were going to just be slaughtered. And it was because a pile of people did, gave, offered what they had and made it a part of the whole effort. It was incredible. They call it the Dunkirk spirit. Oh, that God would grant us a Dunkirk spirit. That he would motivate all of us to give what we had. Because we're, we're trying to seek and reach out for a people who are lost. The enemy is, the enemy is, uh, is, is pelting them and wants to destroy them. 
They're trapped. They have no way out. And God's rescue plan is for every one of us to grab a hold of the Dunkirk spirit and say, you know, I've got a little fishing boat, but we can use that. And to save soul upon soul, rescue them from eternal condemnation. And when that happens, when God mobilizes us all, we can see something incredible happen for him. But it happens when we see, I have a role to play, and I don't think I have much that I can do. But I'm contributing what I can to the whole process. And ultimately, God uses all these varied gifts and abilities and these, uh, all these opportunities to bring people to faith in himself. And so my, my challenge is to us, hey, we, we think of this as a, as a solo thing. I can't do much. I don't have the gifts. No, you have the ability to do something for the, the overall process. And God will take and help us to fulfill our mission as we all get involved. Can you do that? No? Yeah. We can all do that when we all do our part. Let's pray, shall we? Our Father, I just, I just pray and ask you that you would break our hearts for those who don't yet know you, for those who, who, who don't know that there's a God in heaven that can, who loves them, who wants to rescue them. And Lord, you've given us the responsibility of representing you. You've given us the responsibility of of putting our effort into this whole thing, no matter what our gifts are, and and helping the church be the church in reaching out as your arms and to see people rescued and to see people come into the family of God and to see them grow. And I pray that you would do this among us to honor Jesus Christ. In his name we pray, amen.